Karen Devaney and Varner. How are we doing? We're doing really good today. How about you? Ugh, the quarantine. Oh my god, the quarantine. Well, it's a little it's a little difficult. The thing that I here's my thing. Let's hear it. I wanna go to the beach and I wanna go to the pool. I don't wanna go back to work. Right. I just don't want anybody else to be there. I don't want <laughs> I don't want to go back to work, but I want other people to be able to go to work. Right. The people who are like out of work. I just want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Yeah, me too. I don't necessarily miss going into the office, but I miss, I think maybe a social interaction. Yeah, I miss. Even though I can go a day at work and nobody speaks. Oh, that's not how it is at my job. Because I'm having a job, so we're, yeah. everybody's real quiet. No, my people are not quiet. My work people, well, my work friends and I, we're not quiet. Right. Other people wish we would be quiet, but right. we are not. So I do miss them, but I have, I mean, I text with them every day, and we do, like, some type of house party or some kind of interaction, face-to-face -face interaction at least once a week. But I do miss being able to get together with them. So, again, I like to gather socially with my work friends. Right. But I do not want to be required to go back into my work building. Right. I understand that. So, yeah. but, I mean, I will say I've accomplished an awful lot. In the last week, I started embroidering again. Yeah. So, I'm almost done with the baby pillowcase that I'm embroidering sea turtles on. Nice. And I can't wait for that gift. No. Oh. I finished a 500 piece puzzle. Nice. So, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, things are getting done. Yeah. But I want to be able to do, like, I want to be able to do some things, but not like everything. Right. So, I don't know. It's kind of a and weird thing. I miss being able to order groceries today to pick up tomorrow. I do miss that. that that's but, been a real bummer for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah, because then that makes me have to go into the grocery store, which I don't like to do. And I don't normally go into the grocery store. I've actually been in the grocery store more since the quarantine started than before the quarantine because I could regularly order my groceries and just go pick them up. Right, yeah. Yeah, so I don't like going to the grocery store very much. It's tiresome. And it I miss, is. I miss, I miss my mama. I would like to be able to go visit. to visit my mother and give her a hug. Like, I yeah. miss, I just like to give her a hug. To go and visit. Yeah, check up on check up on her would be a good thing, mm -hmm. and yeah, make sure she's okay, and go for a visit, and go see. I'd like to go see her. I'd like to go see my outlaws. I'd like to go see you know some people that I'm missing. I I damn want to go to the flipping beach. Yeah. So, but I would like to take this moment for a public service announcement. Okay, let's hear. This public service announcement is a very individual service announcement. So it's not really public. It's an ISA instead of a PSA. Right, right. It's an individual service announcement. Yes. This service announcement goes out to Sue. Yeah, Sue, there's a special place for you. So, Sue, we need to let you know, and you know who you are, and it, if you think it's you and you're not really sure, it's not you, but the Sue that we're talking about knows who Sue is. Uh, there are no free lunches, and it's not nice to take advantage of a situation like this pandemic to put the screws to your employer. Really, Sue? Come on. So we got your number, Sue, and we get see you who you are and, your work. and either get into work or be unemployed. But there is no gray area here. There's no middle ground. So Amen. 
Here ends our public service announcement. And so and don't now, mess with our people. Oh no. You leave our people alone. Leave my people be. Leave them be. So now we need to talk about murder. Oh, and baking. And baking. Yes. And so I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna bake today. Okay. Today I'm making a very special cake. For a very special someone. Oh, is it me? In my no, oh. in my life. Her name is Sarah. She's been on our podcast yes. before. She is. Um, we're having her thirtieth birthday celebration, <laughs> and so I'm making her very specific cake. It's what she specifically asked for, and so I will tell you that it is a chocolate cake. All right. It has peanut butter cream, not peanut butter icing, but peanut butter cream in between the layers. Nice. And then it's going to be iced with, a van uh, of course, everything's homemade from scratch, a vanilla buttercream. Right. This was what she specifically requested because so, my children do not believe in store-bought cakes, nor right. should they. No. So are you making, using the chocolate cake recipe that is like our number one favorite? So it is our number one favorite cupcake recipe. Right. So it's what we use for our chocolate cupcakes. What I have figured out is our chocolate cupcakes makes two dozen. Yes. So, and each dozen equals about a layer of a cake in an, in an eight inch, nine inch pan. Right. So I am actually, I'm actually doing one and a half of this recipe. Oh, okay. But what I'm going to do is give out the recipe in normal measurements. Right. Because not everybody wants to make a three-layer cake. No, it doesn't have to be complicated. <laughs> it doesn't need to be complicated. It doesn't have to be so, scientific. No, the thing that I found the most amazing about these, this recipe, whether you make it a cake or you make cupcakes, it is always so moist and delicious and cakes are supposed to be moist. And it's so chocolatey, mm. and it's very rich. It's delicious. And there are no eggs in it, and I find that to be scientifically amazing. And there's no science to, okay, put this in, whip it, no, do it's this. throw it's it, like, it all together. It all in a bowl, yes. mix it together. It's and, nice. I mean, believe it or not, way back when, Karen and I were really wanted to start a cupcake business. Um, and we made these cupcakes, and just people couldn't. Stop talking about how delicious. We actually sold them at a, a yard sale. We did. We made more money on that on our cupcakes than we did on anything else we sure that did. we sold that day. But yeah, these are these are tried and true, absolutely no fail. I'm gonna run through the recipe really quick for the cupcakes. All right, let's hear it. And then I'll let you get to getting while I piddle in the kitchen. Okay, so again, this is to make two dozen cupcakes, which would be a two-layer cake. So you do two-thirds cup. A vegetable oil you do two cups of water two tablespoons of vinegar people are gonna be like what yep vinegar two teaspoons of baking soda a teaspoon of salt two teaspoons of vanilla three cups of cake flour it needs to be cake flour cake flour is, is has been sifted a lot and it's very light um, and then two cups of sugar and a half a cup of cocoa powder and you literally throw all that shit together in a bowl and, and mix you it. mix it so what I do is I kind of mix it with a scraper mixer like rubber spatula to get things kind of wet and then I turn that mixer on you can use just hand a hand mixer you don't even have to use your kitchen aid yeah it's like because you don't want to over mix no, it you do it for 10 for two minutes until it's blended and the batter is going to be thin and watery don't worry about it and then you 
that then you're going to bake it for cupcakes it's 15 to 18 minutes that's what i would start on as well for the cake layers and then you're just gonna once that 18 minutes is up then if it's not done yet if it's still if you can wiggle it and it jiggles in the middle it's not ready yet right so you just keep i would just do it like in two or three minute increments until you get it to the right so if you decide to make cupcakes karen and i used to use um a recipe that we used for the whoopie pie filling when we did the whoopie pies way back yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna tell them about roll, that and you can do like a a hostess a ho-ho yeah so that's what i used for the peanut butter filling right. of this cake and it's we call it angel cream or cream filling and um when we're when i go a little bit further on this i'll talk about that because i used that as my base for the peanut butter cream and then I just literally added peanut butter to taste right. until I got it to how much peanut butter taste I wanted or, right. or not even me it was my people so um, that but I will I'll share that recipe as well so you start talking about murder and I'm gonna start getting everything ready I'll do it so um, I unfortunately had to venture into the Walmart over the weekend because I was almost out of dog food and trout was gonna send me out of the house. So I didn't have a choice, I had to go, and I was so happy, it was such a delightful day at Walmart. I Aww, went, it was not busy. It. I didn't have to wait to get in. Um, I love a good day at Wally. Yeah, and I was, and I hadn't been to the store in such a long time, I just kind of walked around and looked, and it, it was delightful. But good. as I was standing at the checkout, I happened to notice that the, the people that you People Magazine have come out with a special edition called True Crime Stories. That's so what? exciting. It's a whole entire People Magazine of true crime. They must have done it with us in mind. They have to have. They yeah. said, you know, these girls are doing these murders. We'll help, we'll help them out. Let's, let's help you out a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So um, I was thumbing through and I came across this murder that I hadn't heard of that takes place in Canada. Mm. Canada. I was just gonna say I was had a mouthful of coffee. Excuse me. Oh, Canada. That's all we know. That's about. all we know. But maybe that's all there is. Maybe that's just what they sing over and over. No, no, that's their. It's like their national anthem. But that's it. That's all we got. Oh, Canada. By the time we do the fir trees are all green. The maple leaves are turning, and the ice is ready for skating. Oh, Canada. I don't think that's. I right. think that's it. But we if may not, send that in and recommend changes. Yeah. I'm, Adopted, they're no problem. Yeah. Whatever they're, do they sure have a parliament? Do they have a parliament? Do they have a government? What do they have? Whatever it is, it's awesome. And they're gonna adopt our version, our rendition. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's our Southern Canadian rendition. Southern Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's hear your moida. Okay, so this one caught my eye because it's called Monster in Disguise. Bum, 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 bum. And you know, they've got um, Bigfoot up there. In they Canada? Got... Oh, yeah, they got the Sasquatches up there. I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah, sure enough. So, I that thought might... that was only in America. Oh, no, they got they got Sasquatches they got up Canadian there. Canadian Sasquatch? I think that's where they originated from. Uh -uh. They migrated down here later no on in America, but I think they came, they came from up there. Oh, I didn't even know. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'll have to do mm -hmm. some research on that one. You know what else they have? 
They have Mounties. Yes, I'm going to talk about some Mounties. I love a Mountie. A Mountie. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. Anyways. Um, the article starts out, and I'll just read a little bit from the magazine. Hard-working and quick to smile, Bruce MacArthur moved easily among several oh, worlds. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about me. A monster in disguise? No. Disguise? What is the beginning of that sentence? Hard-working and quick to smile. That's me! No. That's oh. silly. <laughs> Two decades after he came out as gay, oh, he maintained funny. friendly relations with his ex-wife. Aw. Bragged about his grandchildren and got a kick out of playing Santa at the local mall. That's how he got his kicks. Playing the local Santa? At, off Route 66. He made his living <laughs> tending to the lawns and the gardens of wealthy clients in some of Toronto's most affluent neighborhoods, and at the same time helped the less fortunate by offering day work to struggling denizens, denizens, denizens? Yeah, denizens of the village. The city's LGBTQ community. You threw in some extra letters. LGBTQ community. LGBTQXRV. <laughs> According to one business acquaintance, MacArthur lived up to the well-chosen name of his landscaping company, Artistic Designs. He was a bit of an artist himself. He took great pride in the massive stone planters with artful floral arrays that had become his signature. You know, the big planters that people have in front of their doors? Yes. Like, he would do those, and they were just very ornate and beautiful. And we have a friend that does those. We do. And she's been on our podcast. She has. It's, it's Farmer, Farmer Katie. Katie. And I'm so hopeful. She has Katie's containers. If anybody wants to find her, yes. she's Katie's containers. And I'm sure that what gorgeous. she plants in her containers is nothing like what he put in his. Did he put marijuana in his? Oh, just oh, I'm so excited! My oh goodness! Did I figure out the whole plot? That's oh, it. That's Never it. We're done. Guys. Goodbye, everybody. Right. Have a great week. It's over. She, <laughs> she, ruined, she ruined it. Ruined. Oh, ruined. Uh, so anyway, his customers raved about the plantings. They would stand with him in front of them and, and admire them. Oh. But as they praised his handiwork, only MacArthur knew the horrors within. <gasps> What? In the containers? What? Oh my gosh. So, um, I was intrigued by that, and I googled his name, and here's some information that I found out. Do you know what a denizen is? I'm thinking somebody down on their luck. No, it's just an inhabitant of an area. Oh, excuse me. Exactly. They don't even have to be down on their luck. It's just an occupant. Thank God I've been schooled on the podcast in front of everybody. So oh. Please make sure you I had to look it up. Please make sure you call me out anytime. I had to look it up because really I nice. thought it was a bat until I looked it up. <laughs> so there. So between 2010 and 2017, a series of men disappeared in Toronto, oh. Ontario, Canada. In the early part of the decade, the Toronto police, also known as TPS, mm. created... Um, Project Houston, which was a divisional task force that linked the disappearance of three men of South Asian or Middle Eastern origin oh. to Church and Wellesley, Toronto's gay's, gay village. Hmm. The investigation was unable to de determine if the disappearances of these men was related 
or if a crime had been committed. But in mid-2017, there was some public speculation about a serial killer in Church and Wellesley. Oh, wow. Um, and then evidence came from a missing persons investigation that led TPS to create a second task force mm. called Project Prism. Prism? Prism. Prism. Like okay. a prism. Okay. Not a prison. Yeah, yeah, I got it. A prism. In January of 2018, Project Prism investigators obtained evidence connecting two disappearances to Bruce MacArthur. Oh. The 66-year-old self-employed landscaper who bragged about his grandkids and got a kick out of playing Santa at the local mall. Well, of course he did. Um, they arrested him January 18, 2018. Oh, wow. Um, so back to the article, um, in the People Magazine, they, no, I'm going to go back to the other researchers. Okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We so got you. So police say they found evidence of in MacArthur's apartment leading to homicide charges and that they found the dismembered remains of several men. Several men. Several? They were only looking for two. And... Planter boxes. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Yes. <gasps> he was cutting them up and putting them in the bottom of his planter. Oh my god. And then planting these great fertilizer though. Can you imagine how beautiful these beautiful these, and it must have grown so beautifully because that's natural fertilizer. Right. That's oh my god. Ashes to ashes. Dirt to dirt, or whatever it's called. Yeah. So, evidently, when they, um, well, I'll get to it. It's really interesting how they figured that out, but. Oh. So. That's, that gives me the heebie-jeebies. So, So, uh, they found the remains of several men in planter boxes at a residence where he stored landscaping equipment. So, he didn't live there. It's just where he stored some of his equipment. Oh, great. Well, listen, I just want to. Mentioned that I don't think Katie includes that in her containers. <laughs> I'm sorry, Katie. I was a little bit overly zealous about trying to promote your business, but I just I take it all back. I mean, I'm just saying it might cost extra. Right. Um. So the remains of eight men, most of them Middle Eastern and South Asian immigrants, who have gone missing since 2010, were found and a number of MacArthur's planters, as oh, well as in a ravine God. behind the home of elderly clients in the Toronto Leesdale neighborhood. Okay. I think it might be another nice neighborhood. In I'm sure Toronto. it's very well to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Imagine the surprise of those clients when they found out that he had been throwing body parts in the ravine behind their house. And oh, by the way, oh. Let me tell you why your plants are looking so good, lady. I mean, those plants are awesome. But please don't eat them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Can you imagine snipping mm -hmm. rosemary out of yeah. that planter box? Only to find out that there's an elbow oh, under my it. Lord. Oh, Oh, no. God. That is truly a nightmare. Oh. Truly a so nightmare. So, for 10 years, Karen Frazier and her husband had done MacArthur a favor, allowing him to use a garage to store his landscaping equipment Gosh. in exchange for free gardening services. Every aspect. Wait, of in exchange for free gardening? Yes. Oh my God! 
fish. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. That's awful. Yeah. So the full oh. extent of his crimes only became clear a year later when MacArthur, then 67, pled guilty to eight counts of first-degree murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison without the oh possibility of parole for 25 crime. years. Wait, wait. So up for parole in 25 years, but he was 67, so he, there was no chance that he was getting out. Oh, my gosh. No. Um, so... What he would do is he and all of these men were very active with online dating apps for men who have sex with men. Okay. And MacArthur would say he wanted to meet submissive men. Okay. Um, I mean, that, that is a thing. That's a, that's a thing. Yeah. So, um... What he would do, I've got another article, i got to pull it up real quick. Sorry, I'm just not as quick on the phone as I used to be. I don't know. I, would, I, feel, I feel like I'm turning into a sloth, where I used to go, 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 go. Now, and now it's, it's like, really You're that sloth uh, that's drawing like, yeah, the picture. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I feel like that's how time is going right now. Right. Life is going at that speed. It's super slow. Yeah. So, um... Let's see, he was arrested, guilty, eight counts, first degree murder. All right, hold on, I just got it real quick, just let me. Oh, wow. 
Upon searching MacArthur's home, police found a hard drive that contained photos he took of his victims. Some posed nude in a fur coat with cigars between their lips. Wait, where did the fur coat come from? I don't know. I guess he would put them in a, he would kill them and then put them in a fur coat, fur coat and stick a... Wait, wait. So you're saying that the, these were not, these were not men that were alive correct. posing. He was post-mortem posing. Correct. That's a thing, I guess. In, in a fur coat with a cigar in their teeth. That's very specific. That's a no, very specific... Well, he even closed the coat. That's Jesus. just rude. Uh, I wonder if when men die if, they're, if they get shrinkage. That is very personal. Well, I'm just saying that would just be really rude if that's how he showed them, like in their worst Well, I'm sure everything state. is relaxed. I don't know. We're not talking about okay. that. At least one of the victims had his eyes taped open in the photos. Ew! The photos were stored in eight individual folders, with a ninth folder having been created for John, the victim that they saved. So he was like, for sure, going to be In addition to dismembering his victims, MacArthur would shave some of their heads and beards, and then he would store the hair in Ziploc bags in a shed oh. by a cemetery. What is happening? I know. That is so disgusting. The mall Santa, y'all. This was the Santa Claus. This the is mall. the mall Santa. This is who your children have been sitting Sit upon lap. his lap. Lord of His perverted, gross, oh, creepy lap. Jesus. Sweet too much to take. baby Jesus with the Santa Claus, the perverted Santa. Too much to take. I can't. So... MacArthur restrained and sexually assaulted his victims and strangled them to death with a metal bar with a rope attached to it. He met his victims on dating apps and killed them in a planned and deliberate way. They were all connected to Toronto's LGBT community and linked through their physical appearances. Most sported facial hair and or a beard. Six of the victims were immigrants and of South Asian or Middle Eastern descent. They were also similar in ways that made victimization more likely or harder to detect. Oh. Some were forced to, to no. Are you sure live you parts of their lives in secret because of their oh. orientation. Yes, yeah, so they had not completely come out. Right. And some lacked stable housing. Oh. There is evidence that Mr. MacArthur sought out and exploited vulnerabilities to continue his crimes undetected. So police first got on MacArthur's trail after he killed Andrew Kinsman. Kinsman was last seen June 26, 2017, and had made a diary entry for that day that was marked Bruce. Surveillance footage showed Kinsman getting into MacArthur's car. After that, police began surveilling MacArthur and searched his home after obtaining a warrant. MacArthur had several previous run-ins with the police. In 2003, he was convicted of assault for hitting a former sexual partner in the head with a metal pipe. Oh my this God. man's got a problem with metal pipes. I mean... In 2013, he was interviewed by police over the disappearance of three of his victims, though he was considered to be a witness rather than a suspect. In 2016, police again interviewed him after he attempted to strangle his friend in his van. The friend mm. said MacArthur had invited him into the van for what he assumed would be a sexual encounter and found the victim, the vehicle covered in plastic. Oh! 
Oh no, that's a telltale sign. Yeah, that's a bit of a red flag. I am not getting This in. is a red flag. I'm gonna go. So if you ever come across somebody and they say, hey, come on, look inside my car, and they've got plastic on the seats, get out. Yeah, get out. Don't even, like, if you open the door and you smell plastic, you should close the door. Run. <laughs> <laughs> Ask questions later. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. So the victim asks, what do you want from me? Why? Before escaping and reporting it to the police. Police did not charge MacArthur, apparently finding his side of the story credible. And what is the, his side of the story? I don't know. It doesn't say. And then the 2003 arrest that he had. He had an arrest in 2003, but it didn't show up when they ran background searches. Oh. Um, they did. We were angry. This is sometimes. It just they there was the victims' families were in court, and they did <coughs> deliver some. Burn. Important information in court, um, but it didn't. You know, it couldn't. It doesn't help. I, mean, I think it made me feel. I don't know. Piper's upset. Piper She's is upset because we're not paying attention. Like, right, baby. Like, hey, going to have to go in another room. Like, no, you have to. No. So the full extent of his crimes only became clear a year. Let's see. MacArthur turned sixty-seven. He pled guilty. The court judge described the killings as pure evil. Um, so, before dismembering his victims, mm -hmm. MacArthur carried his artistic flair to perverse extremes, posing their corpses and photographing them. That, I guess, was a big thing of his. Yeah, that's like um, the guy that. Was it Brudos? Who's the guy that I covered oh, right, right. that took yeah. pictures of all his girls that yeah. he murdered, that he murdered? Yeah, so he's, he'll, he'll be in jail. He'll oh. die. Oh, Canada. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That was oh, terrible. Canada. Terrible. That was a bad one. Your landscaper. Lord have mercy. Mm -mm. So what they had to do. I wonder what the name of his business was, like Containers Plus? No, artistic. Oh, artistic. Artistic. Oh, I can't remember. Whatever. Artistic innovations or. Artistic innovations where we hold you at arm's length. Where <laughs> <laughs> a piece of you is in every pot. Or this is going to cost you an arm and a leg. So um, they had a lot of crime scenes that they had to process. I'm sure. It took a long time for them to identify. It was, it became the largest investigation conducted by the Toronto Police. Wow. It also called on the resources of the Ontario Provincial Police, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. I like a mounted police. And other police and forensic, forensic systems. I can only imagine. I mean, you've got so, to go to all those containers and dig up all the, dig in the pots and see what you find. Yeah. Ooh, it's like a treasure hunt for treasure that you don't want. No. No, so these poor people that had rented out their garage. The, yeah. The police came and said, "You, you have 24 hours. Get out. You <gasps> gotta get out. Gotta get to get." Right, and it was cold, so um, they, the people had to leave their house, and the police 
wrapped up the big, enormous planters. I mean, these weren't just little. Yeah, no, these were like big planting herbs. Sure. Um, they had to wrap them up and take them in to the lab to be tested. They had to be thawed out. Yeah. Because they were frozen. Because it's Canada. Yeah. And it'd be cold up it'd there. It'd be cold up there. Mm -hmm. so. That's what I heard. Wow. <sighs> that was pretty gruesome there, Sugar. Yeah, it was. It that was, was gruesome. It was terrible. Alright, so my cakes are in the oven. I do want to say that I um I just cheated this time and used Baker's Joy Spray. But it there's needs to and there's nothing wrong with that. You just need to make sure that you butter and flour or Baker's Joy the pans. Um I had thought about doing parchment paper. This is very thin and watery batter. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that it would just go seep under the parchment paper. And all I can picture is the parchment paper being baked into the cake layer. So I'm yeah, not willing to give that a that try. Be a terrible mess. Yeah. So, um, but I got to tell you, you can also use this recipe for your cupcakes. Yes. So while while your cake is baking, and then of course your cake has to come out and cool for five minutes, and then you turn it, you know, out onto a cooling rack so it cools completely. So while that's happening. That's when I start to whip up my um, cream that goes in the middle. And you can do just vanilla cream or you can do, you can add peanut butter like I did. You could add like some, if you wanted strawberry, you could add a little strawberry jam to oh, it. Yeah. You could add, you know, just a flavor and I would make the cream and then I would add whatever that extra flavor is. I'd add it, maybe start with like a teaspoon and then because it, it just is, it's going to change the consistency a little bit. Right. So, and then, it, you know, you don't want to, for me, I don't want that bold taste coming from the middle of my cake. I want it to complement my cake. So, the way that we do our cream filling, which is just an, an, an amazing science experiment, once again. Um, the first thing you do is you take two teaspoons of very hot water, you put it in a ramekin, and you put a quarter of a teaspoon of salt in it and then you set it aside because that salt needs to have time to dissolve. I kind of swirl it around a little bit. Then you take a seven ounce jar of marshmallow cream. I use the Jet Puff and a quarter of a cup of shortening, which is the real Crisco shortening, not old shortening. You can either get it in the brick or the tub. Third I think the brick is easier to work with. I do too, but I got the tub this time because they were out of the bricks except for um, butter flavor and you do not want the butter flavor. No. You just want the plain old white. Yes. And then you do a third of a cup of powdered sugar, a half a teaspoon of vanilla. And then so what you do is you take everything except for the salt water, you put it in a bowl and then you whip it, whip it good <laughs> until it gets fluffy and then you add that salt water and that salt water interacts scientifically with something and it just makes it fluff. Just, right, yeah, just like a cloud. Really, yeah, it is. It's Beautiful. amazing. And so then you just you, you whip it until you get it to the right fluffy consistency. And then at that point, I took two I took two teaspoons of peanut butter, put it in there, whipped it really good, tasted it, had my people taste it, and I ended up putting another teaspoon and a half, I think, of peanut butter. Um, in it and then I whipped it so it's a real real light tan color yeah, it's not really yeah. a deep color of peanut butter so so once I do that once my cakes cool I take that filling and I spread that filling on top of the layer I don't I'm not icing the cake with it I'm putting it in between so I just put 
that in there and then I piled the layers on top of each other with the cream in between. So that's where we go and then um, at the end of this I'll talk about the buttercream icing that I made. Alright, well we're going to take a pause and yes. out. And we're going to probably try to get this pig off my dog. I don't know how we're going to do it. We'll see. She's not bothering me. Well, I mean, every once in a while you hear that pig and I feel like you got the toots. It's all right. Okay. It's all right. All right. Hopefully nobody else is bothered by it. Pause or the black button? I would hit the pause. The pause. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're pausing. Goodbye. Okay, bye. And we're back. We are back. And my dogs are playing right now with a alligator with no stuffing and they are playing tug of war so you will hear them in the background don't worry it's not a bear attacking if, the, if our listeners don't know about our dogs and how they like to be on our podcast by now and, uh, and how we spoil our dogs rotten and they don't know their place exactly <laughs> so okay so we're going to talk about my murder not my murder what 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 happened well here's the thing i was murdered and now i'm back oh <laughs> So, um, this takes place in Fayetteville, North Carolina. All right, I'm familiar with the area. I am familiar with that area as well. So, back in 1990, Army Major David Shannon started dating Joan. Okay. They hit it off immediately, and he fell head over heels for Joan and her two daughters, Daisy and Elizabeth. All right. At the time, the girls were six which was Daisy, and four, which was Elizabeth. In 1991, the couple wed, and David adopted Joan's girls. Aw, that's okay. nice. Yes. David had a job as a computer specialist in the Army, and they moved around a lot, but in 2000, they moved to Fort Bragg. Okay. Which is in Fayetteville, North Carolina. It is indeed. By now, they also had two sons, as well as Shannon's, bio children that she brought with her. So they had like a whole pack. They had pack. They had four. There was four. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. I think so, you're in dangerous territory when you get more I think kids when the children outnumber the adults, you're in trouble. you are setting yourself up for something. Things to go could go awry. wrong. Things could go amok they or could. awry. Right. I'm not sure which. Either way. Yeah. So um, at this point, the girls had begun to act out a little bit. They were rebellious teenagers by the time they got to Fayetteville. I just don't understand. I was never a rebellious teenager. I just don't know. I agree. I don't even know. I didn't even know rebellious and teenager went together. Really? I didn't know that was a no thing idea. or a phrase or, or even a fake. God bless you, Leroy Brown. No Sounds idea. Like a horse. <laughs> okay. So, um, as teenagers, the girls were known for throwing wild parties Woo! while their parents were at work. Oh, my. I can't imagine. Oh, my. Why would anybody throw a party when their parents aren't there? I don't either. I wonder if all your dad's liquor bottles got put in the neighbor's mailboxes. I don't I know. Don't know. Well, the, the temperature um, setter thing. Thermostat? That got put all the way at 90 and then broken. Right. So the heat know. was at 90. Huh. I don't even know how the um, baby powder got thrown up into the ceiling fan. I don't either. I'm not sure. So anyway, um, at this point, the girls were breaking every rule that their parents set. They were quite rebellious. Sounds like it. A little bit of a handful. The neighbors complained. Right. And the parents seemed to have lost control. No matter what David and Joan tried, they could not save their daughters. 
At the age of 17, Daisy was pregnant. Oh, no. And at the age of 15, da uh, Elizabeth had been kicked out of school for a lot of fights. Oh. Yeah, so, um, again, they were a handful. So, aside from the trouble with the girls, though, the Shannons seemed to settle comfortably into their town. They were very social and had lots of friends. One friend in particular was Jeffrey Wilson, and he was a local soldier as well. He and Joan became quite close, and um, they were often seen out to dinner together. He and Joan? Yeah. Joan? Yeah. Okay. Joan. And they, they would go to dinner, and they would go shopping, and sometimes they would take those two rebellious girls with them. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. It is interesting. I, I found it interesting. So on July 23rd, 2002, in the wee hours of the morning. Always in the wee hours. Oh, I hate it. Joan Shannon calls 911 and tells dispatch that someone has shot and killed her husband in their bed and the intruder had run away. Oh dear. So emergency personnel arrive at the Shannon home to find David Shannon dead in his bed with two gunshot wounds, one to the head, one to the chest. Joan explained that she and David were asleep and she awoke to the sound of a gunshot and there was an intruder standing over her husband and the intruder shot David a second time and then ran out of the house. Officer, officer, my husband has been shot two times. He's been there shot was an to intruder, the death. An intruder in the middle of the night and they ran off without hurting anybody else in the house. I don't know what happened. Oh, lousy. <laughs> so anyway, at the time, Elizabeth and two, the two little boys were at home and Elizabeth had a friend over named Vera, who she was a sleepover guest that was staying with Elizabeth. Oh, Vera. She had no idea. Vera. Sorry. So police took Joan down to the station to get an official statement and took the two girls as well. That's good thinking. But nobody ever says what happened to the two little boys that were sleeping. Like, did they have to stay by themselves? No. Did the police take them somewhere? Did I'm the sure the neighbors come? took care I'm just saying, there's never any mention. And I'm very concerned went about down the two boys. Yeah, anytime anything went down in our house, we packed a bag and we got sent to the McCullough's or the Cobb's. Or the Geyers. The Geyers. Mm -hmm. we, we always got packed up and sent off. Absolutely. So I'm sure the same thing happened to those That's boys. True. Yes, and as a matter of fact, when our brother ran through the storm door and cut his aorta, um, and there was blood shooting all over, the Muffy's mama came first. And the Morrises. The Morrises, yes. Yes. Rosemary Morse came, and she helped. She helped, and she stayed there, and then I was packed off and went to the Geyers. I think you were too originally because you were just a wee thing. And then um, we stayed at the Geyers for a little bit. And at some point, you ended up, I don't even know where you went. I don't know. I was maybe six months old. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I know we were at the Geyers for a little bit. And then we went back home. And Rosemary came back home and was there with us. And I think we just had some babysitters in and out for a while. Right. So I'm just saying it was That's a whole, what it takes a village. It Back does. then, it does. people were in your village, you knew your village, and you appreciated and relied upon your village. Yeah. And, and they, they appreciated and, and relied God upon you. And thank God we didn't you. have any serial killers in our village. No. We had serial. But no killers. But no serial killers. Okay. So, anywho, they took the girls down there to, to the station. At the station, 
Joan appeared to have no blood on her at all. Of course, because just remember she had blood on her. She's in the bed. She's in the bed next to her husband that got right. shot twice. Okay. Just saying. Also, she seemed very calm and not at all tearful as she explained what happened. That I'm sure she's not was like Piper, who seems to be very upset. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's getting close to their feeding time. I don't care. <laughs> so anyway, um, they tested her for gunshot residue, and they found that she did have gunshot residue on her, but not in any type of a pattern that would indicate that she was the shooter. Mm. So they also tested the two girls. I guess they just had some extra test kits sitting around, and neither girl had any residue on them. So back at the crime scene, it was pretty gruesome. There was brain matter on the ceiling, as well as on the headboard, there was blood on the walls. Like this was a, a close range shooting with a shotgun. Right, but no, not on John. Not a shotgun. Uh, whatever, it's close range. Right, but not on John. That's amazing. She must have had one of those, you know, those shirts that have UV, whatever. Maybe it was like no. It's bring that she probably slept in a sleep sack like you take to the hotel. <laughs> that she right. had it pulled all the way over yes. so no bugaboos they would get in. They just should have tested her sleep sack. <laughs> and she probably, and they had no idea what that was. So right. they were like, I don't know what that was, but surely nobody was using that to cover themselves up because it looks like a human burrito. It does. Yeah, so yeah, that's probably what she had. Yes. Okay, so gruesome crime scene. They, they didn't find a murder weapon. They did find three guns of, that were registered to David, but there was no apparent murder weapon. Those were not murder weapons. They had not been fired. There were no signs of a break-in, and there did not seem to be any items missing from the home. Oh, dear. So, they also found, here it comes, an extensive pornography collection. Oh, no. Under the couple's bed. Guys, don't keep your porn under your bed. Listen, that's racist. I mean, sexist. I'm saying guys like ours. everybody. I'm like y'all. 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 That's better. All y'all. Don't keep your porn collection under your bed. No. That's tacky. You keep it locked in your fireproof safe, you ding dong. Dumb asses. Anyway, also they found a computer. Okay. And they start looking through the computer, and they find lots more porn. Wow. This was of the homemade variety. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. There were multiple pictures that included David and multiple men. Oh. Along with one sole singled out female, Joan. Oh, Joan. Um, that's the cakes if you can take them out, please. I got it. I'm on it. Okay, thanks. So, God um, forbid you should finish a freaking recipe. It's just I'm take the just cakes saying. out. Take the flipping cakes out, you lazy bones. Okay, so upon more investigation, they found out that, that the couple was a part of a group called the Fayetteville Gangbangers. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> the holy crap! <laughs> Which was a local swingers club, in case you didn't know. Oh my Lanta! <laughs> Who calls for that? They like, what do you call it Bill? French Club? Gang members and called them gang bangers oh, because it was in quotations. 
And then when I was like, oh my God, she's seeing a bunch of gangbangers came in and, and attacked her husband. And then I'm reading it, and I just kept perusing. And then when I was actually writing it, so I'm like actually reading all the words, I was like, ruh <laughs> oh my god, That was not about a gang. That was about the bank. Oh, Let's really? get more bang. <laughs> so, oh, my. I know. So anyway, there was also another male that appeared in multiple um, videos and pictures. I and wonder who that was. This was Mr. Jeffrey Wilson. What? You've got know. to be kidding. Not kidding. So the police call up Mr. Wilson and ask him to come down. Mr. Wilson. <laughs> thinking Mr. Wilson like the neighbor on Tim the Toolman Taylor. I'm thinking about Dennis the Menace. Oh, okay. Well, Mr. Wilson was also the neighbor, right? Right, right. Okay. They just called him Wilson. There no Mr. Oh, there was no Mr. You're right. I take it back. So, um, he goes down there and tells <coughs> them, guys, excuse me, please. You all cannot do that while Mama is recording. Stop it. Piper, you're instigating. This is a professional recording. This is a studio. This The studio recording sign is on. <coughs> Guys, I'm going to get you. You need a handler. Handler, can you handle, please? Thanks. Okay. Um, so Mr. Wilson goes down to talk to the sheriffs. And he tells them that he met the Shannons online in a swinger chat room. Oh, okay. And then later in person physically met. Okay. That's in physical. They had to size him up, make sure he was a physical, good fit. Physical, physical. <laughs> I think they were just in the park not doing that physical oh, yeah. routine. That's all it was. And then um, later on, he had permission directly from David to see Shannon on the side as long as it didn't get serious. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're gonna let the guy avoid your wife, you might as well let him pay for her dinner. Really? <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, he says that he was only using Joan to hopefully get her to co-sign for a new motorcycle. Oh, for heaven's <laughs> sakes! <laughs> but that Joan was more serious and asked Wilson more than once if he would run off with her. Wilson was also married and not interested in Joan. He was just having some fun and hoping for a cosigner for his motorbike. That's it. That's it. That's all it is. That's all it is. So um, even though he did not want to run off with Joan, he kept up their friendship with benefits. And eventually, David grew tired of his wife's friendship with Wilson and began to feel threatened and unhappy about it and voiced to Joan more than once. I, I think You need enough. to call it off. Enough is enough. Done. So... At that point, Joan started hinting to Wilson that she wished David would die. Oh, goodness. She indicated that if he died, she would get $700,000, and because he was still active military, she would get a lifetime of military benefits for she and her sons. For her and her sons. I'm using bad grammar. So, okay. Yeah. I thought he had adopted the daughters. Yeah, but they weren't minors anymore. Oh, gotcha. So, um, anyway, Wilson told police that when David was murdered and Joan called him to tell him, she didn't seem too upset about it. She was more about wanting to discuss plans to be with Wilson. Wilson was not interested. Oh, he didn't want the motorcycle anymore? Well, he wasn't, like, she wanted to, like, make plans to move in. Like, when can we be together, together? And oh, he's, he's like, like as soon as you co-sign on the motorcycle. And he still just wanted the motorcycle. <laughs> I just want myself a bike. I just want a Harley 
or maybe a Yamagachi. Right. I don't know what they're all the, all the I don't know what they're called. A Yamagachi, a Luchi Moon, a Hata Hata. What's those things called? Uh, Kawasaki. Okay. Anyway, let the good times roll. Whatever. So after extensive interviews, he wanted with some bike and some booty. Oh my God, that's, that's what he wanted. Bike and booty. He wanted booty and bike, but he wanted bike for booty. Right. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, after extensive interviews with Wilson, police did not consider him a suspect. Okay. So I found that interesting. Well, I did too, because I would have at least tested his hands for gunshot residue. I don't know what I don't know, because it was it had been more probably more than a day since the murder, so you would you would assume maybe test his clothing, but whatever. For whatever reason, they ruled him out. He was not a suspect. Okay. So um, about a week. But um, I'm just saying we got a gangbangers club, so he was probably just one of many. And that's what I think they probably looked at him as one of many. Maybe Joan didn't look at him as one of many, but he looked at them as one of many. So because she was not the only now, person the he was police. going against. The police. That they looked at all the swingers. Yeah. They possibly. And they're in the photos. Oh yeah, they might. I mean. There were, yeah, whatever. I don't know. I don't want to get into that. I really don't. I mean, they didn't mention it in these two It was a murder investigation. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, yada, 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 not a suspect. Okay. <laughs> 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 so, about a week later, after, you know, police have been right, looking right. and looking, there's an anonymous tip that comes in. Oh, I got a sneeze build. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> look at the light. Look at the light. Look at oh. the sugar. Look at the light. Oh, no. Finally, they find her August 2nd. 
she was hiding under a bed in someone's trailer. Oh. And they arrested her. They cuffed her. Was she pregnant? No, that was Daisy. Daisy's pregnant. Sorry. Lord have mercy. There's a I lot am of working people. with an Alzheimer's patient here. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching a, a Moinga show today. I know. I mean, rarity. But the they were interviewing this lady, this very elderly lady, who was trying to act like she was very feeble. And she said, I'm an Alzheimer customer. Alzheimer customer. Alzheimer customer. <laughs> I thought that was funny. So I actually have an Alzheimer customer right here with me. <laughs> so fast forward to June of 2004. So this is almost exactly two years after the murder. Elizabeth pleads guilty. Guilty. Guilty in a deal to testify against her mother. Oh, now it's mother versus daughter. Oh, so Elizabeth testified that she had overheard Joan on the phone with Wilson, telling him how she wanted to leave David but could not afford it because she would lose her spousal benefits. Right. And so she said that her mom had said he rides on planes a lot. Why, why can't one of those planes go down while he's in it? Oh my. I know, that was really rude. <laughs> So, she also said her mom asked Daisy if Daisy could get her some date rape drug to use on David. Oh my gosh. And then she admitted to the girls that she had unsuccessfully tried to poison David in April and May. Oh my goodness. Yeah. She is diabolical. So, then she asked Elizabeth if she knew anyone willing to shoot David. Mm. So, Elizabeth said, well, I'm, I'll ask around. I'll, I'll see how my friends feel about <laughs> so it. So, she went to one friend and asked him if he could get her a gun. Mm. That friend that friend said, no. I don't. I, I can't. ain't going to do it. So, Elizabeth then went to another friend and said, would you be willing to shoot David? Right. And he said, no. I'm good. So, right. then she, when Elizabeth went and told her mom that she struck out, mm. Joan began putting the pressure on Elizabeth. So a couple days later, Joan showed Elizabeth a gun belonging to David. She showed her how to load it and how to, she told her how to use it, how to shoot it. Right. And then she loaded it and placed it along with some surgical gloves in Elizabeth's drawer. Right. In her bedroom. And then the next day, Elizabeth agreed to shoot David. Yeah, she's like, I'll do it. Yeah. So on the night of the 23rd, Vera... The sleepover friend. She got the date rape drug, didn't she? She didn't. <laughs> I think the two boys that slept through the whole thing did. Oh my God. They must have gotten some extra Benadryl that night. So Vera says that Joan abruptly walked into Elizabeth's room at 11 o'clock and announced that she and David would be going to bed. We're going to bed. Yes. And, that, she, and that they would be asleep in their bedroom. Mm -hmm. David and I are going to bed and we'll be sleeping we'll be in our bedroom. Sleeping in our bedroom. <laughs> yes. So if anybody's looking like, for us, we'll be in the bedroom sleeping. We'll be sleeping. Going to sleep We're now. We're going to be asleep now. We're going to take us 10 to 15 sleep. to fall asleep. A good yeah. 20 to get into that nice REM sleep. Yeah, yeah, and we'll be in our bedroom. In our bed. If you're looking for us, we're in our bedroom in the bed. <laughs> so Vera watched as Elizabeth then put on surgical gloves oh. and an outer layer of sweatpants and sweatshirt. And I'm sure Vera's like... You She's like, what the what? I didn't know we were playing dress up. And Elizabeth left the room and said, I'll be right back. I'm going to do my hair. I'm going to dye my hair. I'm dying my hair. I'm this is not hair dying out. Hair dying. While my parents are asleep in their bedroom, in their bed. <laughs> right. Right about now. Gotta go. 
So then uh, Vera hears two gunshots, mm -hmm. and then Elizabeth comes back into the room, followed by Joan. And Joan says to the girls, get rid of the gun. Oh. And then Joan said, I need to think of something that will make me cry, and left, and Vera overheard her calling 911. Oh, dear. So when police arrived, the girls were in Elizabeth's room listening to music. <laughs> Just, Poor Vera is like, I'm scared Vera's to like, move. I am in. <laughs> Some type of a bad dream. I knew I shouldn't have come over here. My mom said, don't go. And I, I climbed out the window for this. Like, I'm going to get grounded and there's a murder. <laughs> so, anyway, um, Joan is eventually convicted of Moida. Right. And she is convicted and gets a sentence of life with no parole. That's a good one. I like that one. Elizabeth gets... 31 years as part of her plea deal. Mm. And she is currently housed, or Joan is currently housed in the Southern Correctional Institute in Troy, North Carolina, mm. which is about 90 miles east of Raleigh. All right. I'm not sure, but maybe we go by there on the way to the OBX. We could wave. No, we could How go right do? in How and say, do? Joan, you're dumb. You dumb bitch. How about 700,000 feel now? Oh, wait, your boys are growing up with no mother, no father, but they've got $700,000. So Elizabeth is serving her time at the North Carolina Correctional Institution of Women, mm -hmm. which is outside of Raleigh, North Carolina. So we could go there as well. Yeah, we could. And um, she'll be eligible for parole in 2029. Mm. She'll be 42 years old at that point. So but I don't know if she's gonna make parole because since oh. she was in prison, Elizabeth so far has racked up over thirty offenses. Oh Lord. They range from theft to fighting to sex acts. Oh god. <laughs> oh Lord. I mean the apple didn't far fall it far must from be the some tree. Sort of genetic <laughs> mutation. <laughs> jabbering. I let your cakes cool. Thank you. I didn't do anything else. That's fine because you don't have to. So I'm going to skip over there real quick. All right. I'm going to talk do. about the um, buttercream icing because this is real easy. Okay. The way I make my buttercream icing, I don't have a recipe. So somebody write this down. <laughs> For one box of confectioner sugar, right? I use two sticks of butter softened. I put the butter and the um, confectioner sugar together, and I I mix them with a hand mixer, or you can use the paddle part of a um, KitchenAid or whatever professional grade mixer. Right. And I and I get those so that they they I it takes a while because it takes on many forms because it will first of all it's going to poof up in your face constantly, and then suddenly it's going to look like. Um, 
like it's you know like little balls of butter right and then it's going to start to get crumbly i use salted butter mm-hmm oh and i do i do a pinch of salt because i like my buttercream a little salty which is weird but i think most people like my buttercream it's weird but you like my buttercream i do so once it starts to get crumbly like mm -hmm. that like little then i add a teaspoon of vanilla and then i keep beating and beating and beating and eventually it starts to look more like icing right um, and then as it looks like icing though it's still real stiff so then I start off adding a teaspoon of milk at a time teaspoon of milk and beat it until you get it to the consistency that you like it right some people like it softer and thinner because it's easier to ice some people like it thicker some people make two different batches and they do the thicker in the middle and the thinner on the outside however you want to that's how I make my buttercream that's the only way I've ever made buttercream. Right. So, um, so we're gonna take a break so that I can make the buttercream and throw it up on this here cake because I got my, my cream ready. Everything's ready. So I'm gonna assemble it and then we're gonna taste it. Okay. All right, we're back. Oh, girl. Okay, that was some kind of fun. It smells so damn good in here. Oh, it looks good too. And and I have pictures. I took pictures as I was building the layers, so you'll see um, on the website. We'll post it. And then, so now we're gonna taste it. So, mm -hmm. have a taste. That smells so good. Mm. Oh, sugar, you have outdone yourself. Mm. I love those buttercream. I could eat it on a cracker. <laughs> <laughs> I could eat it on an animal cracker. Yeah, that'd be yummy. Oh my goodness. All right, it's, so moist. it's gonna it's be delicious. so good. And, and so you'll see the finished product. Um, I'll take pictures at my daughter's birthday dinner yes. when I serve it. And until then, Please email us at murder.sugarcoated at gmail.com and find us on Facebook at our Facebook fan page group or page, I don't know, yeah, just the it. fan people. Just find us on Facebook, yes. Sugarcoated Murder. Podcast. Fan. We're yeah. fans. Right. It's a group page. And we're on Instagram at Sugarcoated Murder. And we would love more followers on Insta, on the gram. And also we're on YouTube. And our YouTube channel is, all one word, Karen Ampersand and space sugar coated one word. There you go. That's our channel. And you can subscribe easy. to us. And we want to hear from you guys. Sue, get off your lazy ass and get to work. I hope you all are quarantining still in place and getting through it mentally and physically. We love you guys. We love, love, love that you all continue to listen to us. It means so much. We are at over 2,000 plays right now, and it's just so impressive that we still have people out there that are putting up with us. It really is crazy. We love it. Y'all just and keep listening and listening and listening. I'll email us it. for recipes. Email us recipes you want us to try, because that would be fun. Email us murders. Yeah, because that would be fun. So everything would be fun. Don't and, murder people. Or we will talk about you. And wash your hands. Wash your hands. Don't murder people. Don't get murdered. We love you. Listen to us all the time. Let all your friends and relatives know and pass the word even to strangers. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.